BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Jack Curry, we really appreciate you hopping on with us. And you're here, of course, to discuss the best possible times for the New York Yankees. It has not gotten better than 1998. Um, And there are so many great insights in this book. I think Yankee fans of a certain type are definitely going to eat up the portion uh, where you talk about Brian Cashman's early days, his elevation to GM, where he sort of admits how scared he was at the start and, and that, you know, player development was not his forte. He's obviously grown into these roles and into delegating where necessary, but how impressed were you that he was so comfortable opening up to you and being that vulnerable to tell his story? I wasn't surprised because I've known Brian from even before he was the general manager, and I'd like to think there's a trust factor there. But on top of that, Adam, he's told me that before. I've interviewed him in the past where he has said this is not a job that he wanted, but he was also savvy enough that if someone offers you the general manager job of the Yankees, you can't say no. Interestingly enough, he did insist on a one-year contract, and I think that was a way for him to test the waters see if this was something he really did want to do. And as both of you know, he's had a long stint as the Yankees general manager starting in 1998, still here right now. But I appreciated what he told me about the interaction with Steinbrenner because I didn't know all of those details. I didn't know that Steinbrenner wanted him to come to a hotel suite in Manhattan, offered the job on the spot, pretty much told him that he was a choice of his because he didn't want to recycle anyone else. And Cashman was scared. Cashman was nervous. And those emotions, I hope, come through in the book because i that's a tough job to walk into. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, things were obviously different back then under George Steinbrenner. Um, we uh, we always talk about the, the janitor painting over the 1996 uh, World Series champ sign um, on the wall. Um, it was so poignant and bizarre, but in George Steinbrenner's world obviously anything less than a title was a failure um and kind of drawing parallels between then and now um do you think the current organization still operates that way like and would do the same thing at like erasing history like that that's a great question the the scene that you're referencing i actually witnessed and wrote about it in the book that days after they lose in the 97 postseason there's a custodian who was painting over 1996 world champs you're the 1996 world champs forever. But in, in that moment, I'm sure George Steinbrenner was unhappy that the Yankees had lost. And so that was the move that they made. I think the Yankees' pursuit is to build a championship contender every year. Uh, that That's what they say. I think, I've always thought, even when George Steinbrenner was alive, that to say a season without a championship is a failure, it, it, that's a tough road to walk down. 
because you're only going to have one team that wins every year. But that's what Steinbrenner said. I still know that is said in and around Yankee offices. Yankees haven't won since 2009. That That is something that bothers them. And that is something that the organization hopes to change. There's also an early portion of the 98 story that you recount that I think is very, you know, uh, relevant today. And in, in that, like, even that 98 team started slow by their standards on a West Coast road trip. And you mentioned that players feared that Joe Torre was on the hot seat and whether he was or not, Brian Cashman certainly was and was getting, you know, prodded by upper management. Um how close do you think they really came to dismissing Cashman and, and outright panicking so quickly in, in the greatest season in, in baseball history? Probably not that close. And I, I know in talking to Tory in succeeding years, I don't think he ever felt he was going to get fired. There was a lot of noise there. When you start one and four and you're the mighty New York Yankees who were 96 champs knocked out in the postseason in 97 and thought they were better. You have to be better than they were at that start. But in actuality, do I think any of them really thought they were going to get fired or would they have gotten fired? I don't think so. I think George, when he fired Yogi Berra in 1985 for a 6-10 and 10 start, I think if he could have that one back, he, he would have taken that one back. But there was just enough noise around it that you wanted to turn things around. I talked to David Cohn just a couple of days ago, and we were talking about that Seattle meeting all over again. And he said one of the things that did bother him or that was on his mind is that you just never know. What if one and four became two and eight, became four and 15? Who knows? So that's why Cohn wanted to see them turn it around quickly. Yeah, and obviously in 98, the depth of that team was incredible. That's a big reason why they were able to accomplish what they did. And last year we saw that Yankees team get off to an incredibly hot start and they were drawing some of those comparisons. And now we have this year where um we've had we have probably the Yankees have the worst depth issues we've seen in a few years obviously it's kind of uh progressed from 2021 to now what what's happened obviously you know it's the same uh structure up top in the decision making how, how has um how has that changed in your opinion um why has maybe the depth not been um, addressed as appropriately as it should have, or are these just unforeseen, you know, circumstances that you think the, the front office is dealing with? Yeah, I think it's unfair to compare this team to the 1998 team. I'm calling them the greatest team in history. I don't know many teams that had a bench of Strawberry, Reigns, Chili Davis. I guess you would call Joe Girardi a bench player because Posada played more than he did. That was an historic team. That was a remarkable team. I look at what the Yankees have assembled this year and, and they're lacking in offense. Uh, we talk about it every night on yes. In their last 18 games and 14 of those games, they've scored three runs or fewer. It makes it very difficult to win games when you're not producing at all. And the six, seven, eight, nine spots in their batting order are dark and black holes right now. Some of it is injuries, but once you mention the injuries, you've got to talk about other things because every team deals with injuries so I think at 15 and 15, the Yankees have to figure out a way to get better performances from their starters and, and from their bench players. And maybe some change occurs at some point. Brian Cashman and his crew have shown when necessary, they will make adjustments. I don't know that they're ready to make adjustments a month into the season, but we'll see as the season goes forward.
That was my next question. I, I was wondering if you had any offensive fixes that you have your eyes on for the second half of the season. I, obviously, they've already tried the Jake Bowers move, and he rammed his knee into the wall on play three of his Yankee tenure, and that's something you can't plan for. But uh, do you have your eyes on any moves, you know, internal or external, that we can expect closer to the trade deadline? Well, I'm being an author today and not a GM, so I'm going to say that I think that the Yankees will probably look at anything that they think fits them and that they think they can afford and or make a deal to make themselves better. They're they're not happy about being 15 and 15 right now, but I don't think they ever envisioned that their offense would stall as much as it has. And again, the injuries have been problematic. Uh, not having Judge for the last handful of days, obviously, but even before that, Stanton. Uh, Bader hasn't played a game yet. They finally activated him, so... Let's see what the next couple of weeks brings, and we'll see if they elect to make any moves. Yeah, it's already obviously a little bit chaotic, and um, things get crazy on social media. You know, we're in the weeds on that every single day. We like to think of you of the dad of Yankees Twitter. Um, I hope <laughs> wow. you like that label. Um, <laughs> the kids could be fighting about a trade rumor, a roster move, a Brian Cashman decision, and then Jack Curry comes in, uh, puts in his uh, – assessment of the situation and everybody dials back and it's all it's all calm so how does it feel knowing that you wield that power that's a that's a heavy that's a heavy uh crown that you've put on my head thomas and i'm not exactly sure that i want that crown <laughs> i think the thing that i try to do on our shows is remind everyone how long the season is i was on mlb now yesterday promoting my book and we were talking about the white Sox being eight and 21 I've only seen the White Sox play a couple times, and I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on the White Sox. But I know that it's a struggling team right now. But I also know that you play 162 games. And one year, the Washington Nationals started out 19-31 and 31 and won a World Series. So I don't have a quick fix for the Yankees right now. Adam asked me earlier, I don't know that they should target player X right now. I don't know that they should move this player here or call this player up. I do know this. They've played 20% of the season. If this were a football season, what, what would it be? About game three? So I always try and, and offer up a rational slash patient response because I've, I've seen enough teams who do turn it around. Now, if you look at the Yankees right now, where, where's the vision? And you look into that crystal ball, where, where is that turnaround coming from? Perform better. They just have to play better. Their, their bullpen heading into Sunday had the best ERA in the major leagues. Their starters outside of Cole have been a major disappointment. In some ways, 15 and 15 guys right now might might not be terrible if, if you can get your act together and start to perform a lot better. And I, I'm, I'm not fully loving, agreed. No, no one's loving a 15 and 15 record. I said this the other day on our on our broadcast. If you ask Cashman and Boone when they left Tampa and it was when they were 15 and 14, what do you think your record in April will be? I don't think they would have said 15 and 14. And so I, I think there's disappointment in, in the way that they performed. I am completely aligned with you there, though, at least in terms of looking glass half full. Um, now, we will let you go here, but I do want to just 
draw. I know we don't really want to draw parallels between 98 and the current team, but you did watch the young shortstop and Derek Jeter take a massive leap forward in, in 96. And then again, you know, in, in 98 leading to that incredible record. Um, we've seen the torch get past Anthony Volpe. He's sort of had a spring that everybody couldn't stop talking about. And he's found his footing recently in the regular season. Um, what have you seen from him so far that's, you know, not necessarily to draw the Jeter parallel, but that has convinced you that he is a future leader of this team and that they made the right decision pulling that, you know, pressing that button so early. The Jeter comparison ends up being inevitable, even though we all say we don't want to go there. Jersey roots, first round pick, Yankee fan when he grew up, starting shortstop when he was 21. So I usually try and put the factual things out there first as, as possible comps. Player to player, I think we should let Volpe evolve. But what I've seen from Volpe, guys, is at times a very advanced hitting approach, a very selective and mature hitting approach, someone who has shown that he has discipline and can work the counts. On the other hand, there are times when he's been aggressive. Sometimes that's worked in his favor. Sometimes, for instance, in the game against uh, Texas the other day where they got walloped 15-2, to two, he was aggressive on a first pitch changeup, and you can tell that Martin Perez, the veteran pitcher, kind of coaxed him into going there. I think his speed and his athleticism play. I, I think he's a distraction to pitchers when he's on the bases. I think his defense is solid. Is he a future Gold Glove Award winner? I don't know, but I, I think right now watching him play, I see a very solid defender. I see someone whose arm is, is more than adequate. We had heard stories about his arm not being adequate for playing shortstop at the major league level. It's sort of one of those things where you just want to let the kid play right now. You, you, you and I, all three of us, we can give our, our reports right now, but all of our reports should have an INC on them. They're incomplete. Let's, let's let them play. Let's let them get stronger. Let's let them get smarter. I've said on our shows a couple of times with Bob Lorenz, one of the coolest things you can do as a fan is to watch a young player grow. And and you guys are a little younger, but Yankee fans had the opportunity to see that with Jeter and Posada and Pettit and Bernie and Mariano. You you saw them growing and getting better in different aspects of the game. That's what I would suggest fans do with Volpe. Wow, he he laid off that high fastball right there. Two games ago, he struck out on that two or three times. Oh, look at the range he showed to his left right there and, and was able to get to his feet real quickly and make that throw. Those are the things I, I think will be cool about observing Volpe across the next year plus. Well, Jack, we're we're all obsessed with the book because we need that reminder of what it's like <laughs> to watch a dynastic core develop uh, from you know youth to old age. So um, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. The book is the 1998 Yankees. If anybody doesn't have it yet, they absolutely should grab it. And uh, we couldn't appreciate your time more. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, hit me up another time. We don't have to just talk books. We can we can talk about the Yankees another time. Absolutely. We'll be here. We'll be happy to. 